Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Here we go on the edge for this Friday evening, live on TSN 1050. We're streaming live on TSN 1050.ca. And, of course, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. My name is Aaron Karolnik. I'm at my condo downtown, but Al's brother in studio at TSN 1050. What's going on, Al's brother? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Excited for the weekend, AK. Really excited because that means that we're two days away from football because we didn't get any football yesterday. I need my fix. Yes, the lack of Thursday night football was apparent. It's had me hankering for Sunday already. We have an awesome slate of games this week to dissect, to handicap, to wager on. And let's get right to it. And we're going to start with a showdown Sunday, the third all-time meeting between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And perhaps, perhaps... Packers running back Jamal Williams brought some bulletin board material to the table ahead of this weekend's marquee game. Whose quarterback is better, yours or Ronald Jones? Come on, man. I'm pretty sure my quarterback knows what fourth down is. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm like, exactly. I'm like, Aaron Rodgers would never do that. He's too smart for that. Shots fired by Jamal Williams. Now, I don't know if knowing the number of downs will provide the edge on Sunday, but history may indicate it is Tom Brady who has the edge over Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers just 5-12 and 12 in his career on the road against Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. He's 1-2 and two in his career at Raymond James Stadium. And Brady has five career wins against teams 4-0 and oh or better, tied with Drew Brees for most in the Super Bowl era. So let's go right to you, Alsbro. Meaningless stats or meaningful information on those numbers I just provided? Extremely meaningless. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I mean, when you look at it, the Tom, uh, Tom Brady, when you look at the one stat you brought up about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is, what is he, 5-12 and 12 on the he's road? Five and tw- he's 5-12, and 12, man. Super Bowl winning QBs. Okay, but Tom Brady is no longer the Super Bowl winning QB he was when he won the Super Bowl. So I, I think that is probably the most meaningless stat out there that you've said so far today okay okay it's been we've only about 90 seconds into this show so there's still plenty of time to get more meaningless than that we're going to get into packers and bucks throughout the program with our guests uh the big e eric cohen coming off a three and a week for tsn edge he's going to join us in about eight minutes time don padula the lead producer of tsn edge of course at the end of the program as we do every friday the grappler who is five and one against the spread on this program. Ugh, that is very painful to admit, but it is true. He and Al's brother join me for the pound the table picks of the week. Now, if it's not Packers Buccaneers as the marquee game, it may be the suddenly surging Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now get this. The Browns have lost sixteen straight games in Pittsburgh. Their last win came in two thousand three. When Tim Couch outplayed Tommy Maddox. Like, that's how long. We're going 17 years back. And Baker Mayfield, there's been a lot of good. There's been some bad. But he still has a lot to prove. Can he step up against an all-time great? And I guess Ben Roethlisberger would be considered an all-time great because he's lost four starts, four straight starts against Super Bowl winning quarterbacks by a combined 49 points. Baker's 0-5 against his 
in his career against unbeaten teams. So he's got some work to do. Al's brother, the Browns and the Steelers do not come up in our pound-the-table picks, but which way are you leaning on this side? I think I'm going to go ahead and lean with the Steelers. I just believe that that team overall is better. And, and although Cleveland has surprised, I'm just not sold yet. So I'm going to go with the Steelers. Okay, more more on that with the Big E, Eric Cohen, in a few minutes' time. Lots of fantasy information to digest this evening. It's Friday, the injury reports are out, and we have the latest. Don't let an injury hurt your fantasy week. Know who to go with and who to sit. This is In, Out, or Iffy. It is an extensive list of injuries, but let's begin with the good. Devontae Adams for the Green Bay Packers will play in Week 6. That, according to Matt LaFleur, he was afflicted with a hamstring. Also, previously afflicted with a hamstring was Chris Godwin of the Bucks. He practiced in full today. He will be back in the lineup. And that's good news for Tom Brady because Godwin, an absolute stud, he and Mike Evans in the lineup together should pose some problems for a pretty quality Packers secondary. Julio Jones, another wide receiver with a hamstring injury, was removed from Atlanta's injury report. He will play in Week 6 against the Minnesota Vikings. Let's go to out. Deontay Johnson, out for the Steelers, perhaps more relevant because Chase Claypool, who absolutely thrived without Deontay Johnson in the lineup last week with four touchdowns, we can expect another big performance from the Canadian in this one against the Browns. Dalvin Cook, the star running back for the Minnesota Vikings, he is out with a groin injury against the Falcons. And the player you want to look at to replace Dalvin Cook, if at all possible, it's very unlikely, is Alexander Madison. He had 136 total yards last week against Seattle. He may be a top five running back options against the Atlanta Falcons this week. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, he's out against the Ravens. So is Deshaun Jackson. So the Eagles wide receiver group is yet again uh, baffled by, or I guess uh, hit by injury. Just uh, another week and another tough one for Carson Wentz there. The Iffies, Melvin Gordon, we know about his DUI earlier this week. He now has an illness. He's questionable play against the Pats. And DJ Chark of the Jacksonville Jaguars, also questionable. He did very little in practice. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. was limited on Friday. So it looks like he will be heading for a game-time decision. That's a lot of fantasy information. More gambling information coming up with our next guest. He is the Big E, Erico, in a 3-0 week on TSN Edge. He joins me coming up next on the show. Wow, top Pearl Jam song and top guest here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Some call him the Big E. I call him the Big Three, as in, as in 3-0 last week for TSN Edge. Wow, I can't believe I just came up with that super lame joke. What is up, Eric Cohen? Good evening, my man. How are you? Great. How are you doing, Aaron? Thanks so much I'm, for the intro. That's uh, uh, two times in a row. You really <laughs> built me up. Really appreciate what, that. What was my first lame intro to you? Let's not even revisit those sad, sad introductions because, I don't know, I, I, I like to think I'm pretty decent at the whole introduction thing, but I continue to let myself down on a weekly basis. Someone that's been, I guess a team that's been letting its city down for a long time is the Cleveland Browns, and that would not be true for this season they are four and one baker mayfield and odell beckham jr the defense the offensive line everything seems to finally be clicking 
And now they got to go to Pittsburgh, which has been the big boogeyman for the Browns for the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. Big Ben Roethlisberger, 22-2-1 in his career against Cleveland. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Browns. Is this the week that the Browns get it done, Eric? I don't think so. I mean, you mentioned House <laughs> of Horrors. That's what Heinz Field's been. And you think back to, you know, Cleveland coming back to uh, the NFL, and you talked about Tim Couch earlier. And, you know, the one playoff appearance they had was a playoff game against Pittsburgh. It was in Pittsburgh, and they were up big in that game. And that was back when Kelly Holcomb was the quarterback, and they blew that game. And, you know, since 2003, they've not been able to win in Pittsburgh. Uh, you, you know what? All the credit in the world to the Browns for what they've done. Four-game winning streak. They've beaten some good teams. They beat the Colts last week. They won in Dallas scoring 49. You have to like a lot of things you're seeing, but it's not been a great week for them because in that win against the Colts, we saw Baker Mayfield got hit in the ribs. Now he said that you know his mom didn't raise no sissy. He's going to play through it, but he's not 100%. That's not the kind of defense you want to be playing when you're not 100%. Odell Beckham got sent home this week because he was ill. Uh, you know, a lot of illnesses going around the NFL. I'm not really sure what's up with that, but so he was out. We already know Nick Chubb is out. Now they've been able to run the ball okay. I mean, they got Kareem Hunt, so they got a great running back already with Chubb, with Chubb out, but Pittsburgh's already had a bye week. They're well rested. Uh, Chase Claypool just had a monster four touchdown game, and that's not even talking about, you know, Juju Smith Schuster, James Conner. They have so many weapons on that team, and they got a great defense. I just think Pittsburgh's still, despite the fact how well Cleveland's played, Pittsburgh's in better form. Pittsburgh's healthier. Pittsburgh is more well rested. I think Pittsburgh wins again, and you're getting a short line because of how well Cleveland's played. So to me, there's value. If you got the Steelers at minus three, great. If you got to lay three and a half now, I still think there's value there. Yeah, you could also buy it down, buy the half point, and get it down to three. You're probably looking at paying maybe maybe one, maybe minus one thirty-five, minus one forty, but it could be worth it because that hook. I feel in a game, a divisional game like this, it could very well be a field goal game. You don't want to get screwed by that last second touchdown or last second field goal that can screw around with the line. Another game I can't wait to see. It goes off at four twenty-five. Uh, on Sunday afternoon is the Green Bay Packers, the 4-0 Green Bay Packers. They're coming off a bye. They're visiting the 3-2 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's been some line movement here, and there's actually been a ton of line movement over the last couple of hours in the NFL. We open with the Packers minus two. It's been bet down to Packers minus one. Which way are you leaning, Eric Cohen? Well, everybody's going to be watching this game because you got two games at 4 o'clock. This game and then the Adam Gase Bowl between the Jets and the Dolphins. So <laughs> yeah. I think everybody's going to be pretty focused in on Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And to me, you know what? Everybody seems to be on Green Bay. They love Green Bay. Green Bay's like number one on every power poll. They're Everyone's high in the Packers. They've won every game. They've covered every game. They're scoring 38 points per game. But if you dive into it a little bit, who have they played? Well, they played the one-win Lions. They played the one-win Vikings. They played the zero-win Falcons. And they had one quality win in New Orleans. And even that game, um, you know, it was tied late. And the Saints have not been the same Saints team we've seen over the years. So I haven't seen enough of Green Bay against stiff competition. And Tampa Bay's going to be pissed off. You think Tom Brady likes being mocked? for 10 days about not knowing what fourth down is? I don't think so. Brady plays pretty well with a chip on his shoulder. He's never a home dog. He's a home dog this week. Uh, You talked about it earlier. They get Chris Godwin back. That's huge. 
Tampa Bay, when we saw them against Chicago, there was no Fournette, there was no Godwin, their offense was out of sync, they're going to be healthier now, they're at home. I think, I think Tampa Bay is going to surprise a lot of people and beat Green Bay on Sunday. You are speaking my language, Biggie. I completely agree with you on every respect, and I know my adversary on the other side of the glass, Al's brother, disagrees, and he and the grappler will have their say in the pound-the-table picks of the week. Eric Cohen joining me here on The Edge, and Eric, I know you are a Bills fan, and it was a rough night for your Bills against the Titans on Tuesday night. Now the Titans host the Texans as just three-and-a-half-point favorites. To me, that number seems a little bit short. How do you see it? Well, you know, the Chiefs are also coming off a loss, too, right? So, uh, are you, are you, sorry, are we talking about the, the, the Chiefs' bills, or are you talking about the, uh, the, the, the Texans' Titans? Sorry, was that t- the Titans as three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Texans. Yeah, that so was just a game that... that yeah, so the, the yes. Titans are the team that kicked the crap out of the Bills. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so you know what? To me, that's a really short line. Uh, I, I don't really understand it. I saw it at three a day ago. So uh, usually when a team plays as well as Tennessee did on Tuesday, and the whole, everyone saw because it, it was all it was on Tuesday, uh, you know, there's going to be a recency bias. But that's not the case here. I think, the, I mean, they're playing a one in four Texans team who beat Jacksonville. So, you know, are, are, are they, have they righted the ship because Bill O'Brien's gone and they beat Jacksonville? To me, no. Uh, I still think there's value with Tennessee. Now, you can make the argument it's a really short week, but they're at home. They stay at home. They're not traveling. And when you look at what they do on offense, it's very simple. Like, Ryan Tannehill is not asked to do very much different week to week. It's a very simplistic offense. Uh, you run the ball with Derrick Henry. Tannehill's got his, his usual reads. I don't, I don't see Mike Vrabel really changing what they do on offense. So to me, it's not really like a situation where they have to completely alter the game plan because the, uh, the Texans are coming to town. I, I, yeah. I like Tennessee here. I think, I think they stay perfect and I think you get a short line. I'm, I am totally with you. I'm totally with you. You referenced the Bills, and it was an ugly night on Tuesday for the Bills, and it doesn't really get any easier as the Kansas City Chiefs are heading down to Buffalo. Maybe some of the Chiefs fans will be smashing through tables like the Bills fans do, and it, you, won't, you will not see Le'Veon Bell. He's still out another week. You expect to see him in week seven. But the Bills... Laying the four points, giving four points to the Chiefs as a home underdog. And some people are saying that's disrespectful towards what Buffalo has done, but perhaps there's just a lot of respect towards the defending champions. How do you see the Bills and the Chiefs on Monday night? Yeah, the first of two Monday nighters. I, uh, I'm not going to be betting the game. I, I don't really have a great feel on it. I think the line's right where it needs to be because, as I was about to get into earlier, uh, the Chiefs are also coming off a loss to the Raiders, too. And they, they really did not play well defensively in that game at all. Uh, it leads you to believe this game's going to be very high score. It looks like the Chiefs have some real issues on defense. And, the, you know, the Bills, I don't know what to think about Tuesday's game because, you know, they, they had played so so well until Tuesday, and then I don't know if they took the Titans for granted or just figured that because Tennessee hadn't practiced in two weeks that it'd be a cakewalk. But they didn't play the way they normally play. They also have a lot of injuries. I mean, they need to get they need to get White back, their best cornerback. They gotta they gotta get Brown back, who's their number two receiver behind Stephon Diggs. Uh, they have some issues on the offensive line. Their backup running back's been hurt as well. Uh, we saw a lot more T.J. Yeldon than they're used to seeing if you're a Bills fan. So the Bills got to get healthy. 
Uh, the Chiefs, I think, deserve to be a three or four point favorite, but I think that line's right where it needs to be. So I don't think it's a game that I'm going to be betting. Uh, but definitely, I feel like uh, the Chiefs and the Bills, you can make the argument both teams are going to be pretty pissed off, right? Because they both are coming off losses, and they both are coming off losses where they pretty, they pretty much got embarrassed. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what we see on Monday night. He is Eric Cohen. You can see all of his picks on TSN Edge at tsn.ca, on Twitter at tsn underscore edge. Why don't you give the people your top three picks for week six, Eric? Well, we talked about uh, two of them. Certainly the Steelers and the Tennessee Titans are games I really like. Uh, I'm also leaning, and I heard your your pro-line best bets were on the same page. I like Carolina. I think uh, All right. the projections were off for Carolina. They, uh, they're they a lot better than what they were supposed to be. Everybody thought it was a rebuild because, you know, new coach and new quarterback. But Teddy Bridgewater's been really good. He's got two outstanding weapons. They bring in Robbie Anderson. Uh, they already had Moore had a great year last year. And, you know, they, they lose Christian McCaffrey, and they've lost nothing in the running game. Mike Davis has been outstanding. So I like Carolina at home. Uh, I, I don't believe in Chicago's offense at all. And I think the Panthers are, are a good play. There is a very, very small home favorite. And as we talked about, I'm also uh, leaning uh, with Tampa Bay as a small home dog against Green Bay. All right. Make sure to check out all of his picks on TSN Edge. Anywhere you find, um, like on tsn.ca or on social media, he is Eric Cohen. Thank you very much for doing this, my friend. Appreciate it. And enjoy your weekend of gambling. Thanks, Aaron. And, uh, yes, enjoy the NFL. should be a great week. Cannot wait. That is Eric Cohen, the Big E from TSN Edge. Don Padula, the lead producer, co-founder of TSN Edge, is up next. And Al's brother, we were talking about this during the commercial break because there may be a pick. I don't want to give anything away. The pound the table picks of the week. The grappler, who is five and one, has selected the Baltimore Ravens as his selection at minus seven and a half points. But that line has shifted. I I would presume because Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey was been ruled out to nine and a half or ten points in favor of the Ravens. I don't know how we should handle this. What do you think? We should probably call an audible and have to force Grappler to make a decision later in the show if he wants to keep with his pick at ten or nine and a half or at seven and a half, or if he's willing to keep with them at seven and a half or what is it nine and a half ten points nine and a half ten now yeah we got to make him pick on the new line. Or we can just boot the grappler out of the segment. He's performing too well, and it's becoming a little bit of a nuisance on my psyche because it's really painful to see how well he is performing in his picks on this radio program. Just kidding, grappler. We'll speak to you in about 20 minutes. Coming up next, it's Don Padula. What to do with survivor pools this week amidst all the coronavirus scares around the NFL? I have no idea. We'll ask Dom the answer coming up next. All right, a little Arkells here on this Friday night as we welcome in Dom Padula, the co-founder and lead producer of TSN Edge. I have so many questions for Dom. Where to begin? Let's start by asking Dom how he's doing. What's up, man? How's it going? What's going on, man? Looking forward we're, to it. Yeah, we're all good here, and I think if you're a fantasy owner of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you're probably not as not feeling as good as you and I, because we know that Le'Veon Bell, on his way to KC, he won't suit up this week on Monday night against the Bills, but you have to imagine Le'Veon's going to be a big factor in the Kansas City backfield going forward. How much do you think Le'Veon helps the Chiefs, and how much do you think this hurts CEH's fantasy value going forward? 
Yeah, it was funny. I saw earlier in the week they had uh, a prop bet when the Jets cut Le'Veon Bell, where he would end up next. And there was that report that he was considering Buffalo and Miami. And I kind of paused for a moment and I thought, you know, the Chiefs are right there. He doesn't have to worry about money. He's going to have a chance to win a championship if he goes there. He doesn't have to worry about getting overwhelmed because they got a pretty stacked offense. And it was plus 650 at the time for him to go to the Chiefs. And I remember tweeting out, like, he's going to the Chiefs, isn't he? Uh, and then, sure enough, that number moved pretty quickly, and he ends up going for a chance to, you know, compete for a championship. It's pretty cool that he's going to go from the worst team in the NFL to probably the best team in the NFL. Uh, yeah. But in terms of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and that fit there, you know, I saw the immediate reaction on Twitter, kind of the panic for Hilaire owners. I mean, it hasn't been the best start to the season for him, especially when it comes to his lack of red zone production. But I tried to look at this from the other side of um, how to approach it, and that's just, you know, Le'Veon Bell, he struggled to stay healthy in recent years. He's only played in 17 games over the last three seasons. They're bringing him in as a veteran guy that, you know, could provide something for the offense that they're looking for. And, you know, maybe things haven't gone the best for Elaire so far, but he's a rookie first-round pick. He didn't have any preseason. Obviously, they've got some issues on the offensive line, the Kansas City Chiefs. So I don't really mind this if I'm an Elaire owner. I look at it from the perspective of, he gets to learn from a veteran running back, which is something that they didn't have on their roster before bringing in Bell. And maybe this gives him a chance to sort of reset, look at what Bell does on the field and sort of try to emulate that. And maybe it keeps him fresh for later in the season. Once we wind down and we get to fantasy football playoffs, I mean, they're going to have to face Miami, New Orleans, and then the, that big, bad Falcons defense championship week in fantasy. So if Hilaire's fresh for those three weeks and I could get to the playoffs with him on my roster, um, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, I don't really see it as a situation where his fantasy stock's going to take the kind of hit that you know a lot of people are predicting. Like, I get that Bell's going to steal some touches, but Hilaire hasn't really relied on touchdowns so far. These first few weeks, he's been pretty good. I don't really see his uh, core falling out. I think he'll get his fair share of touches, and maybe the Chiefs, you know, Eric the Enemy and Andy Reid are two of the smartest guys in the league, two of the most creative offensive play callers. I wouldn't be surprised if they got both of them on the field at some point. So I really see it as a win for Bell going from the worst team in the NFL to the best team. But I still think Hilaire has a pretty high ceiling, even with Bell on this roster. There's no doubt that, you know, if you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you might be a little bit disappointed, but I can guarantee you that if you have Dak Prescott, you're devastated because he was an absolute monster, uh, mostly in fantasy. In real life, he and the Dallas Cowboys struggled. But now Andy Dalton, he's the man in, in the Big D, and I'm, hearing, I, I'm just very confused by some of the narrative surrounding Dalton, and I'm curious to where you stand on this situation, Don, because... I don't believe that Dallas's offense is going to thrive the way nearly it did with Dak. And, and I understand they have those three awesome wide receivers and Zeke Elliott's there in the backfield. And you can make the argument that, that Andy Dalton didn't have nearly the amount of weapons that he has in Dallas that he did in Cincy, but he wasn't good in Cincy at all. He was 2-11. 2-11, his touchdown interception ratio was not good. His accuracy wasn't particularly good. What are you expecting from Dalton as the quarterback of the Cowboys? I guess you heard what I already expect. 
Yeah, so full disclosure, I mean, I, I have Dak in fantasy. He was, I think I took him pretty early in my keeper league draft, and I was devastated when he went down. Our league relies a lot on quarterback points. Um, I think there's a bonus in it for if you hit 300-plus yards, and he was excellent to start the season. So I'm reeling a little bit after that. But you know what, with Andy Dalton, here's the thing. I get that Andy Dalton, when he had some weapons in Cincinnati, he did put up some pretty decent numbers. Um, I think when you look at it from a team perspective, I didn't think the Cowboys' ceiling was that high in the first place just based on the way the offense was turning over the football and based on the way that the defense had played throughout the first few weeks of the season. So I get the idea that, you know, from a team perspective, losing Dak and going to Dalton, you know, maybe the ceiling wasn't that high for the Cowboys anyways. But just from a fantasy perspective, when you look at the numbers Dak was putting up, it's impossible to ignore the hit that some of those uh, weapons in that Cowboys offense could take. They had three receivers on pace for over 1,000 yards this season. Like, I still think that Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, on a week-to-week basis, depending on the game script and depending on the matchups, they could be productive receivers. But you're not looking at anywhere close to the type of trust that you had in those pieces when Dak Prescott was under center. You know, even with Zeke Elliott, there was some talk about, oh, Zeke's going to get fed more because Dak went down. Look, I don't think that right now Mike McCarthy is going to pivot away from um, the Cowboys passing game, um, especially with those receivers. And when you look at the defense, Cowboys defense has been so bad. I don't know how they're going to be able to run the football consistently with Zeke if they're trailing in games. So um, I look at it from the perspective of they, they took a hit with losing Dak. The wide receivers, I'm not panicking yet. I still think Andy Dalton's a serviceable quarterback. It's just you're not going to look for that elite production that those guys were on pace for when Dak Prescott was the quarterback of this team. When Vegas expected Prescott to be the starter in the Monday nighter against the Cardinals coming up on this coming Monday, Dallas was a three-point favorite at home. And now without Prescott and with Dalton, the Cardinals are, I believe it's one point, minus one or minus one and a half at the current juncture. Which way would you lean on Monday night um, with the Cardinals as a slight favorite, Dom? Uh, Right now I'm leading Cowboys. And, you know, it's kind of funny, like, I was anticipating the defense just playing a little bit better, just based on the fact that they've been so terrible to start the season. They've been pretty beat up. Um, I know Arizona's dealing with some injuries as well, obviously losing Chandler Jones. I still think Andy Dalton's a serviceable quarterback, um, so I'm not completely overlooking Dallas. Um, But right now, you know what? I just really want to see what this offense looks like when they face the Cardinals. And you know what? Something that I probably will look at is uh, Andy Dalton pass attempts. Let's see if uh, he's going to throw the ball as much as uh, the books are anticipating. I would lean towards the under for his pass attempts total. But we'll see heading into that game. I'm not confident either way, um, backing aside, even with the adjustment following the Dak Prescott injury. One thing to note is the third straight road game for the Arizona Cardinals, so that could be a little bit of a problem for them. Let's get to survivor pools, and it's a tough one this week, man. You have the Ravens, who are now minus 10 against the Eagles in Philadelphia. A couple of injuries to the Eagles at wide receiver. Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson will not play. You have the Dolphins, who are favored by 9 against the Jets at home. 
and you have the Patriots, and we're expecting this game to happen. Uh, they're nine and a half point favorites against the Broncos. I think I'm leaning Fitzmagic and the Dolphins at this at the point at this point this week, Dom. Which way are you advising me to go? Well, actually, I, I'm in a little bit of trouble if that's the way I hear that you're leaning because I was considering the Dolphins. I mean, it's just the idea of fading the Jets. The Dolphins looked really good last week. Jets, I still think they're my pick for the worst team in football, especially with Joe Flacco at quarterback. I was already sort of leaning the Dolphins, um, but I want to be extra careful this week because I don't know if you remember last week, I was debating between the Chiefs and the Ravens. I really, really saw it that those were easily the top two picks on the board. Fortunately, uh, I decided to go with the Ravens, and I survived uh, on to this week. But it just was another reminder that anything could happen in any given week, and you really, really need to be careful because you only get one shot in these survivor pools. Um, My pick heading into this week is the New England Patriots. I think Pat's at home, you know, coming off, um, that t- uh, another tough performance in dealing with all the COVID issues. Cam Newton comes back. Stephon Gilmore comes back. They're at home. Um, but with that game potentially in jeopardy with another COVID positive test, uh, I started to look around for, um, for another option to hedge my bet with. And the team that stood out most to me was the Miami Dolphins. Are playing oh, yeah. Football. They're playing good football right now. I don't think Fitzpatrick gets the credit that he deserves. The way he played against San Francisco, like I know the 49ers are beat up on both sides of the ball, but the Dolphins were just relentless in that game. There was no let up. That was an impressive win. And now they get the Jets, who really can't beat anybody. Um, Miami's been really good against Adam Gase over the last couple of years. Uh, I think they're 4-0 and straight up and against the spread. I expect that to continue. Um, so I was actually looking for you guys to convince me not to take the Dolphins. Right now, the Pats are my team yeah. that I'm on, but if there's an issue and that game gets pushed back, I'm leaning towards the Dolphins as my second survivor pick. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the Pats are a little scary. You think about the lack of practice time, Cam Newton coming off of COVID, and Stephon Gilmore coming off of COVID, Drew Locks back for the Denver Broncos. A little, a little bit sketchy, I think, but Miami, I mean, you're, you're betting on the Dolphins as your survivor pick, right? Like, you can't be that confident. But we're in, we're into week six, so it's only natural that it becomes more difficult. As the subject of difficulty, or perhaps not that difficult, the crew at TSN Edge, which you are the lead producer of, is putting together quite the record for NFL gambling success. Can you elaborate on that, Dom? Yeah, I mean, I just those guys deserve a lot of credit for what they've done so far. I mean, heading into this project, you know, you always want to do really well from a pick perspective. Um, we were focused really hard on providing an edge in terms of information and matchup analysis and, you know, trying to just keep people as informed as possible. Um, but we didn't expect to be this good to start the season. So overall, in terms of NFL betting so far, uh, TSN Edge as a group that's Davis Sanchez, Chris Amberley, Luke Bellis, the Big E, Eric Cohen, who you just had on in my Oh, yeah. We are 33 and 20 overall. Ooh. A 27 and 13 record against the spread. So wow. I just wanted to give those guys a bit of a shout out. You know, 27 and 13 against the spread. Um, through the first five weeks of the season. Um, I, I expected these guys to deliver and, and put up decent results, but I wasn't expecting them to be this good. So I think they deserve a lot of credit for the work that they've done so far. And 
you know, hopefully some people have checked us out on tsn.ca slash edge, followed us on Twitter to see kind of where we're leaning and, and some of our picks that we provided. I mean, at this point, you know, I don't expect us to keep up at the rate we have. 27 and 13 against the spread is pretty good. But hopefully we can uh, continue to pick some winners and uh, continue to provide some really good information and analysis uh, for our audience. Well, Dom, it's very wise of you not to include the picks of Al's brother and myself in uh, that record because we are struggling, but we are going to atone for our past mistakes coming up next with the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. Dom, thank you as always for joining us. You join us this time every Friday night. We appreciate it and enjoy the weekend, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good night. All right, we got some strange brew this evening. I love it on a Friday night. Some cream. This cream, right? I believe so. Strange brew indeed with the Pound the Table Picks of the Week crew. It's myself, Aaron Korolnik. It's Al's brother. And it's the Grappler, who we should welcome in first because the Grappler has been a dominant force so far on the three-week journey called The Edge here on TSN 1050. He is 5 and one dominant showing for Keith Bauer, a.k.a. the Grappler, a.k.a. the Mauler. Graps, do you want to revel in your own greatness for a couple minutes or what? No, I don't think I can at this point. I mean, it's, you know, f- five and one. It's, you know, it's it's a great start. I'm definitely happy with where I am through three weeks. But, uh, you know, a lot of season left, long way to go. So uh, if what, this a, continues, what a political sure answer. Rebel, what know, is this? Yeah, uh, the election's coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, so, yeah that's I right. We could use it. Keith Biden joining us here on TSN Edge. All right, so Graps, go ahead. Give us your two picks, your pound-the-table picks of the week for week six. All right, let's go. So for my first pick, my first pound-the-table pick for week six, I got the Ravens at seven and a half. Whoa, and a half, I don't think so. I don't think so. So no, there is some happening. controversy. Let me uh, set this up. <laughs> We make our picks earlier in the day, so our uh, web producer, Kyle Morrison, makes a little board for us. We tweet them out and put it out on Instagram. At the time, the Ravens were 7.5-point favorites. Now, with some injuries announced, some players will not be playing. The Ravens now 9.5-point favorites over the Eagles. Al's brother, you're going to be the judge, jury, and executioner. What should we do with Grappler's pick here? All right, here's what I'm thinking. We need to set some precedents because this does happen from time to time, especially on Fridays when injury reports do get sent out. And we see lines change quite a bit on Friday throughout the day. So what I think we need to start doing here is, yes, we make our picks earlier, but we have to go with the line at the time of the pick. So whatever the line is right now, which currently is at 9.5, I'm seeing, that is the line that you have to pick here for this game against the Ravens and the uh, Eagles. Yes. All right. That works for me. So, Keith, I, 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 are you I sticking argue, with it? I can't argue with that. I can't. Yeah, I think I have to. No, and I, listen, I, I if they d- say they won by eight points and we end up giving me, you know, the victory, I just I, I wouldn't feel right about it. So oh, you're so on nine and a half. I I am still pounding the table, just pounding it a little more softly. And I'd love to say I'm taking the Ravens because of Lamar Jackson and their running game, but they've barely been running the ball this year. It's obviously still a huge part of their plan. But why I'm picking the Ravens to cover on Sunday is because of their defense. The Eagles will not be able to score any points. The Ravens have allowed a league-low 15.2 points per game this season and are second in the NFL in quarterback hits with 47. We've seen the struggles of Carson Wentz already this season, and just like every other quarterback, 
he's going to become a hell of a lot worse when he is under pressure. The Eagles are still super banged up on the receiving end. The Ravens should be able to zone in on Miles Sanders. Uh, you know, Hayes said something on overdrive this past week that he thinks the Chiefs are just bored with the regular season and are going to be able to flip the switch whenever they need to. It's a dangerous game, but I do feel similarly about the Ravens, and that is why they will beat the Eagles by at least nine and a half points. So that is game number one. All right. Game number two, and I, I have a feeling this one might come up uh, once or twice more in these picks, but I will be taking the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at minus one. Got to be the marquee matchup of the weekend. You know, definitely could be a preview for a playoff matchup in January. Uh, Should be a close, high-scoring game. But the Bucks, or sorry, the Packers have one thing that the Bucks don't, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Seems to be on a mission this season. Wants to prove everyone, including his own organization, wrong that he's over the hill. Uh, Said it on Pat McAfee's show last week that most of his down years are still the same as most guys' career seasons. So doesn't really sound like a guy who plans on losing too many games this season. Uh, key matchup this week is going to be Aaron Jones versus that Bucks top-ranked run defense, but the Packers are getting Devontae Adams back. They'll be able to stretch the field a bit. I just don't think Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to be able to keep up. Um, offense is getting a little more healthy, but I still think they need some time together to get that chemistry back. Uh, Rodgers hasn't been turning the ball over this season either. He's been great, you know, great at uh, covering up when he needs to and throwing the ball away. Likely a game that's going to come down to the final drive, but I do see the Packers coming out on top and rolling to a 5-0 and record. All right, those are the two pound-the-table picks from the 5-1 and one, Keith Bauer, a.k.a. the Grappler, a.k.a. the Mauler. So you need to respect what he brings to the table each week. Good picks, I suppose, at least one of them. Al's brother, why don't you reel off your two picks, my man? All right, I'm with the Grappler on this one, and maybe I'm just attaching myself because he is 5-1, and one, and I'm not doing that great, <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and piggyback his pick. But no, look, there's not a lot that makes me want to bet against Brady as the home dog, especially when he has a top-two-ranked defense like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But one of those things is Aaron Rodgers. Look, the Bucks' second-best overall defense, sure, but they're middle of the pack against the pass, and they're going up against a pretty good passing attack. Rodgers is balling out right now. Brett Favre says he's looking like the best he's ever looked, and I concur. You know, he's thrown for over 300 yards per game, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions on the year. He's the only quarterback, actually, this league to throw for over 1,000 yards without an interception to start the season. They're getting Devontae Adams back. That should help with the passing game even more. And when I look at the Bucks, yep, they're 3-2. and two. They got a winning record, but they haven't convinced me that they're for real yet. They lost to the Saints in Week 1. They barely edged out the rookie Justin Herbert and the Chargers in Week 4. And then they lost last week to the Bears and Thursday Night Football. And yes, it was fourth down, Tom. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I know I'm kind of going against the grain a little bit here, betting against Tom Brady as the underdog, but I'm pounding the table for the pack minus one. My second pick, I'm going with the Sunday Nighter, and I'll keep it kind of short and sweet here. Who's got the better offense between the Rams and the 49ers? I think it's the Rams. Defense, Rams, both in total yards, passing, and rushing. Specials, Rams. So McVay, he's got this team looking more like the Super Bowl team we saw a couple of years ago, and they got a top-five defense to boot. Meanwhile, you look at the Niners, they've been ravaged with injuries, albeit getting a little bit healthier. But even with Jimmy G under center, they're coming off a 43-17 to butt-whooping by the Dolphins. I just can't bring myself to, to, to bet on that. So I'm pounding the table for the Rams on the road. Minus three, easy win, easy cover. 
All right, boys, you guys sit and listen to Brian Hayes, the ultimate Green Bay Packers fan on overdrive from 4 to 7 every day, every week, just singing the praises of Aaron Rodgers. But here's the reality. The Packers aren't as good as people think. Rodgers beat up on the Lions. He beat up on the Vikings. He beat up on the Falcons, three of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. And opposition offenses have been missing some of their top weapons, a lot of good fortune for Green Bay this season, and that ends this week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will cover. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win. And Tom Brady, in his first time being a home underdog since week 9 of 2014, will retain the crown as the greatest old man in the NFL quarterback. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees, you're not even part of the conversation anymore. So I'm on Tampa, and I'm also on the Carolina Panthers, minus 1, and Teddy Bridgewater has been a remarkable story for them. Matt Rule, their head coach, has done a great job. It's been Mike Davis, who's doing a great Christian McCaffrey impersonation. Their wide receiver group with Anderson and Moore's looking great. And, yeah, their defense, I'll admit it, it's pretty sketchy. But Nick Foles, Nick Foles is on the other side. He's good for a couple of picks. And the Carolina Panthers are going for a good for a home win as one-point favorites against the Bears, who are not going to be 5 and 1. They're 4 and 1 now. They're going to be 4 and 2. That's just how the world works when it comes to the NFL. So those are my pound the table picks of the weeks. Any uh, observations, thoughts from you two gentlemen? Uh no, I don't have a whole lot of, a lot to add. I just <laughs> I, I do wish one of you had taken my advice uh and just taken, you know, Danny Dimes and the Giants at 3 over the Washington football team. I mean, that is that is a huge missed opportunity that I feel like I'm going to wish I'd jumped on, but uh no, that's nice. The only other one that I think I was looking into was the one against the Vikings. And believe it or not, I don't think I was going to take the Vikings. I may have picked the Atlanta Falcons in this one, but I was too chicken to do it. But they're not going to have Dalvin Cook. Yes, Madison is a pretty good running back, but he's a big part of that offense. And look, the Atlanta Falcons, yeah, they got a terrible defense, but like Kirk Cousins has not been a great quarterback over the course of his career, especially early this season. And I feel like the Falcons with that offense, Todd Gurley's playing really well. They might be able to squeak out a win or at least keep it close with the spread at, at minus four. So that may be one where I, I would consider, but I was too chicken to actually do it. We should quickly address the Dallas Cowboys as one-and-a-half-point dogs at home against the Arizona Cardinals. When I saw this line, I loved Arizona. The more and more I look at it, I might be leaning Dallas. But where do you guys stand at this point? I think that the Cowboys are, I mean, they're not obviously going to look the same as they have with Dak Prescott, but I don't think the drop-off is going to be that huge. Uh, you know, we've heard a lot all week that, you know, without Dak, the Cowboys are finally going to be able to, you know, feature the offense around Zeke Elliott, which is something they should have been doing all season. Um, this is the most talent that Andy Dalton's ever played with. This is probably the best offensive line he's ever played with after spending it, you know, his en entire career in front of that disaster in Cincinnati. Um, so no, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cowboys win that game. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I like the Cowboys. I think Andy Dalton's going to have himself uh, a decent night. And I don't think it's as big of a drop-off as some believe. So I wouldn't be surprised either to see the Cowboys uh, upset the Cardinals. Gentlemen, as always, as we do this every Friday night, it's been an absolute pleasure. Grappler, I'm sure you have a nice glass of red wine waiting to be drank. Next to you, you're celebrating your 5-1 record on the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. While Al's brother and I... We're looking for the Stoli because we are struggling, but we need some wins, and hopefully this 
this week uh, can provide us those because Al's brother and I two and four. The grappler is five and one. So congratulations to you, Keith. You've done a great job so far, and hopefully it does not continue. No, thank you very much. I mean, I'd love to say that I'm rooting for both of you, but I okay. am not at all. All right. So, Kill us, uh, Mike. Yeah, Al's brother. Kill us, Mike. But not all right. <laughs> that was the grappler. He is Al's brother. Thank you very much, my man. I appreciate your hard work, as always. You've been listening to The Edge live here on TSN 1050 in Toronto.